Well, I'm going to begin from up here because that's where all of you would expect me to begin. <clears throat> but I'm going to take one lap and then I'm going to come down with you. Many times on the Sabbath, Jesus would teach in the synagogue. And so he would take the traditional place of teaching. But for most of his ministry, Jesus did his teaching along the way, among the people. And so it seems especially fitting this morning when we go from that, that last week's sermon, when we talked about proper authority. Remember that sermon? We talk about how, how important it is to get the vertical relationship right first, and then you can be more effective in the peer relationships. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pre preach on those peer relationships. Now let me, because I always start up here, let me start up here and tell you a story. Some, somebody really sent me a cute story about uh, <clears throat> uh, Easter morning. Um, um, uh, Thornton was her last name. Um, uh, Carrie Lynn Thornton, I think, was, uh, was her name. Anyhow, th they came to uh, worship here Easter morning, um, as is their habit. And, um, and then they went in Oviedo, to Oviedo and had this uh, picnic, uh, a neighborhood picnic. And at the end of the day, I mean, they had all kinds of fun and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, um, most of her older children had gone ahead home. They just lived on the next block. And, and uh, uh, um, so she was left with a wagon full of dishes. Her husband was ahead um, uh, with an armful of toys that they had taken over for the kids. And their 50-pound, four-month-old dog, Baloo, some sort of mastiff thing. I don't know what you... But it's 50-pound, four... Uh, the the four-year-old, Joshua, really wanted to lead him on a leash home. Now, usually they don't let the four-year-old handle the dog because, because it's just too big a dog, and the dog would just drag him all over the place, but they decided the dog was tired, and so maybe the boy could handle it. And so they're going home, and the mom's got the wagon, and the dad's way ahead with the arm full of toys, and, and, uh, and the, the, they get closer to the home, and Baloo sees house. And, and so he just gets a little energetic, and, 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 and the kid's drag, he's starting to get dragged along. And the mother says, Joshua, in her, in her best uh, sergeant master voice, master sergeant voice, drill instructor voice, Joshua, here's what you got to do. <clears throat> you got to shout the dog's name as loudly as you can and show him who's boss. And so the kid just thinks about it for a minute, and he jerks on the dog's chain. He says, Baloo! And then he points to his dad, Daddy's the boss! <laughs> the question is, what do you do after you've established who's boss? You've got some other responsibilities, don't you? Responsibilities that are present. And that's what she was trying to get Joshua to see. Joshua, you've got some other responsibilities, and that is to relate to who's right there with you. And so, after we establish that God is the boss, and after we establish that God has put some people in positions of authority for his own reasons, then our next thing is, okay, what <clears throat> in this priesthood of all believers thing, what is our job to our peers, to our brothers? You know, it says in Scripture that Jesus was not only the King of kings and Lord of lords, but it says in Romans 8, 29, that he was the firstborn among many brethren. And what that means is Jesus is not only our Savior, he's also our eldest brother. How then should we relate 
as brothers, as sisters, those who are more on our peer level, who are right there with us. Now, that's a significant problem for many Christians, and, and we don't get too much help from the Bible because the record of elder brother treatment in the Bible, quite frankly, isn't very good. Um, let's take Cain and Abel. Now, I, I can't uh, uh, use a handheld mic and read the Scripture at the same time, so if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 4, I will be telling you uh, the, the, the Scripture that you probably already know very well. What it says is that, that Eve, Adam knew Eve, and, and they, uh, she conceived and she bore a son. She was all celebrative and said, you know, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And she named his name Cain. And then it says immediately afterwards, they had another child. His name was Abel. And immediately it tells you the difference between the two boys. It says Cain was a tiller of the ground and Abel was a keeper of the flocks. Now, these two boys lived together very closely. They were the only two around. I mean, who, what choice you got? But in this case, closeness caused conflict for two reasons. Number one, because they weren't willing to make allowances for differences. Cain especially was really angry because he had this idea to offer to God. And of course, little brother wanted to offer too. And, and little brother's offer, offering got accepted right away. But Cain's didn't. And so Cain got miffed. He started to pout. And as soon as you, somebody starts to pout, you, you, you better know there's going to be some conflict coming. So he started to pout. And then, as, uh, the Bible calls it, his countenance was fallen. And then, God looked. God, God saw Cain and said, hey, Cain, <clears throat> you, you know what? This is not about Abel. This is not about it. This is about you. This is not about me accepting Abel's offering. This is about you. He tried to get Cain to see that. You know, Becky and I saw a good movie the other night, uh, Les Miserables, and, and uh, while we missed the music, the screenplay is very, very well done. Um, and there is a, a character in this, uh, in this play, uh, uh, Inspector Gilbert. And Gilbert chases Jean Valjean for years and years and years because he is not willing to admit that the problem does not lie in Jean Valjean, the problem lies in him. He takes the transgression personally. How many of you have people in your lives right now who have moved on? They've moved on, and you still got it going on in here. You can't let it go. Let me say what God would say to you this morning. It's not about them. This is about you. This is about you. I want you, to, I want you to know that. This is about you. This is about the kind of closeness that could harm the very people you love. Remember that old song? Some of you are old enough to remember the Mills Brothers. Remember the Mills Brothers? Remember that old song? You always hurt the ones you love. Anybody remember that? What, what's the next line? The one you shouldn't hurt at all. You always take the sweetest rose and crush it till the petals fall. You always, what? Break the kindest heart by 
a hasty word you can't recall. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so if I broke your heart last night, it's because I love you most of all. That's right. See, one of the things we have to learn on a peer relationship is that the very people we are most likely to hurt are the people who are closest to us. And God wants us to see this. It's not about them, it's about us. It's about us not having proper boundaries. It's about us not understanding they're different than we are and allowing for those differences and seeing those differences as additions instead of subtractions. That's the point. It's very, very important that in our ministry to one another, we see someone else's success as an addition, not a subtraction. We see somebody else's difference as an addition and not a subtraction. And one of the ways that we can do that, one of the main ways we have in being able to do that is to watch this, not always account closeness with intimacy, sometimes to say there are proper distances. There are distances that don't mean distances. There are distances that are helpful to a relationship. Now, if you have your scriptures, turn to Genesis chapter 13. By the way, I, I had a couple of typos here, and, and, uh, or I, I, I gave a couple of uh, scriptures wrong. The second scripture in that outline is Genesis 14, um, um, 14 to 16, I think it is. And then it's not Genesis 49, it's Genesis 50, but we'll come to that in just a second. Okay. There was another instance of very close relatives in Scripture. And that was Abram and Lot. Abram and Lot. Now the fact is they loved each other. But the fact is they got in conflict because they were living too close to one another. Now I'm going to pick on JT. JT is a, JT's an elder at the church here and so uh, it's legal to do that. If you're an elder you have, to, you have to participate. You have to take leadership. Let me ask you this. JT, do you have uh, at home, do you have a closet that is your own that your clothes are in? Uh, you got your own closet? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> now, if LaDonna came to you. keep mine clean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't add, JT. You're, you're, you're the, you're the go-to guy here, okay? Now, if LaDonna came to you and said, JT, I just feel like we could be so much closer. And would you mind if I just move all my stuff into your closet? I just feel like that'll bring us so much closer. I don't want you to take any of your stuff out. I just want to move all my stuff into your closet. You think that'll bring you closer? That's why we have two closets. That's right. Okay. All right. See, they figured this out ahead of time. Abram and Lot were in that position. The Lord said, uh, the, the, the Bible says they, their possessions were so great, they couldn't dwell in the same place. They couldn't dwell in the same place. And so Abram looks at Lot, very maturely says, you know what, let's just, let's just uh, separate here. You choose the left, you, there, go to the right, go to the left, whatever you choose, I'll choose the other one. Because it's not right that we should fight. We're brothers. And in that instance, it was very important them to reconfigure the boundaries to reconfigure the boundaries. There's a, there are a couple of really good books in the bookstore. One of them is Cloud and Townsend's Boundaries. 
The reason that we have boundaries is not so that we can be farther away from people, but so that we can be closer to people. Boundaries drawn correctly allow for intimacy. They allow for differences. And they appreciate the differences. And you can go to the very next chapter in that book, and you can see that when Lot was in trouble, Abram got a raiding party going. Why? Because family's family. Family's family. When you were growing up, you may have fought with your brother or sister all the time. But anybody who says something about your brother or sister had to take you on, right? Why? Because family's family. There's a sense of loyalty there. And so it's, it's okay to have some conflict. It's natural to have some conflict when you're figuring this whole thing out. But there's a basic loyalty. There's a basic loyalty. And one of the things that we have to understand about one another is that we have an honor. We have the honor of being able to draw the kind of boundaries that draw us closer to one another and that allow for the richness of differences. And that complement, here's the key word, complement what the other person is doing so that you add to what the other person is doing and what the other person is doing is add, adds to what you're doing. That's the principle of complementarity. That doesn't only work, by the way, with husbands and wives. That's how it's supposed to work with husbands and wives. That works with brothers and sisters. That works with the church. That's the body of Christ. That's the variety of spiritual gifts. That's why we all need one another. One of the things that Darwin discovered on the island of Galapagos in 1870 was that there had been a division, that, you know, finches, everybody knows what a finch is. Finch is a bird. And there was a species of finches that that Darwin postulated over the years had evolved because finches feed on the same things. But because of the limited number of that particular food, they evolved, Darwin said, over the years. All of these subspecies now had different lengths of bills, which allowed for that limited amount of food particle to support an entire species instead of the one species dying out. Now, how they ever got the brains to do that, Darwin doesn't say. But those of us who know the great conductor, those of us who know how God designs us all differently for a purpose, know very well how it happened. The point, though, is this, that differences are included in God's plan. And we complement one another by our differences. And our differences will always have a relationship no matter whether we want them to or not. How many of you have tried to shut somebody out of your life? You've tried, to, you've tried just to, to, to have that distance and you just keep thinking about them. You just keep thinking about them. 
No matter how hard you try to get them away, no matter how hard you try to forget about it, no matter how hard you try to say, that was then, this is now, they are they, my, I am me, I'll never think about it again, you still do. You still do. Why? Because God made all the world, even in its smallest bits, to relate to one another. Not to be separate and totally other, but to relate to one another. You've heard that experiment that they've done. In 1935, there was a, there was a physicist named Schrodinger. And Schrodinger had a theory about subatomic particles. And his theory was that they always lived in a state of possibility. That is, <clears throat> one subatomic particle could be two things at once and you didn't know what it was until you looked at it and then it decided what it was going to be. One of the spin-offs of that particular theory, now they've done this in, in Paris uh, last year, they did this. They arranged for an experiment that somehow isolated a subatomic particle and somehow don't try this at home and don't try to understand this. Bo Niels Bohr used to say, anybody who pretends like they understand quantum mechanics don't know what they're talking about. So this is a mystery. This is a mystery, but that's exactly the point. What happened was that they, they isolated this subatomic particle and somehow separated it from itself 18 miles apart by putting a different spin on it, by influencing it with a laser to have a different spin. And not only did they say that now this thing separates, I, I'm sorry, that now this thing exists in two places at once, but they said it exists very different from itself. And they even tracked interference from one part of itself to the other part of itself which said, yes, things can exist two places at once and not even agree. How many of you know that personally? Because not only do you love somebody who is different from you are, but is separate from you, and you disagree, but you even know that about yourself. There are two, there are two ideas you have about something, and you can't let go of either one of them, and they disagree with each other. And there's interference there. There's two feelings you have about something. And, 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 and you can't, you can't logo either one of them. And, 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 but it, but it, 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 they interfere with one another. Well, what's the point of this? The point of this is that everything is in relationship. You are not a singular entity who is isolated from the rest of the world. Everything is in relationship, including your feelings, including your thinking. And they're there, so therefore, we have a ministry to ourselves and to each other that says this, I'm going to make sure that any distance I have from you pulls us closer together in intimacy instead of separates us, helps us cooperate instead of compete. I'm going to make sure of that. I'm going to make sure that as we operate in the future, you know, I, I read so many books about the future and so many books about organizing uh, in the future. And every book I'm reading, um, uh, The Future of Community, Drucker uh, has, has edited from, from many future writers, um, um, 
the web of inclusion is one that many of us are reading together about how organizations are going to exist in the future. I saw in the New York Times, actually it was in the International Herald Tribune, an article that talked about the new economy and the old community. And it says, it says this, because we are going to be arranged so differently in the future, and because no longer are we just going to be seen as one giant institution or one giant organization, doesn't mean we're not going to need each other. As a matter of fact, it means we're going to need each other all the more. It just means that our relationships, the boundaries, have to be able to shift. How many of you walked in here this morning and go, oh, man, who thought of this? <laughs> oh, man. The first question, I, are we going to sit like this every Sunday? I hate this. You know what, though? As the boundaries shift, you get a different perspective. As the boundaries shift, you're more able to see folks you haven't seen before. As the boundaries shift, you're driven to the kind of worship that, that you haven't had to have before. And that's exactly the organization of the future. Northland itself will not be arranged in the future as a monolithic church. Northland will be distributed. And we will find that as we have distant relationships with ourselves, Northland's going to be distributed all over the world. And we will find that as we have distant relationships with parts of ourselves that that will not only support them it will enhance us the geographies will work together to better accomplish God's purposes and better grow us up because even in a fast-changing world the this does not change creativity comes from interaction with one another it's not some guy in this little cubicle working on a PC it comes from interaction with one another. The trick is we've got to keep rearranging the boundaries. We've got to keep figuring out how we can work better together. We've got to keep figuring out how we can complement one another. How I can add to what you do. How you can add to what I do. How we can add to what other churches do. How they can, that can finish what we can't. That is the challenge and the ministry we have on a peer relationship. Pray with me. God, thanks that you would not just relate to us from the top down. Thank you that Jesus said to us that it's good that I should go away because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And if I send the Holy Spirit, I will be closer to you than I ever was. Thank you that you also can have us go away from one another physically, but yet be closer to each other than we have ever been. And so we ask you as we go along and as we separate and come back together, help us over the years to be closer and more cooperative than we have ever been. And Lord, if there are people in here right now who need to give somebody in their life some distance so that they can be closer, if there are people in here right now who need to adjust a boundary 
so that they can be more appreciative and more cooperative. Lord, let your Holy Spirit go right in their hearts right now and say, I will do this thing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.